midst of World War II, C.S. Lewis gave four radio broadcasts over the BBC, which would later be compiled into a book entitled Mere Christianity. This book inspired my journey to know why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. This episode is about Bible translations, and just think about that for a second. How blessed are we in America to have even have a discussion about which English translation is the best? You know, lots of countries don't even have the Bible in their own language. Some of them only have the New Testament or pieces of the New Testament, maybe just the Gospel of John. So we are extremely blessed to have the Bible in our own language, just easy to access. In a quick count, when I was preparing this outline, I have at least 12 different versions in my house, 12 different English translations. Now, some of them, I have multiple uh, Bibles in the ESV. And so, you know, just we are so blessed to have the Bible just right there for us. And a lot of times we take that for granted. So just a few housekeeping things. The next few episodes are going to be pretty simple, a little more low-key, and and a lot shorter. And so today we're talking about Bible translations. Next week, I'm just going to maybe talk about some New Year's resolutions. I've I've never been a huge New Year's resolution person until the last maybe uh, two or three years. And so just some thoughts on maybe, uh, you know, some different things you can do coming up 2022. So, you know, just a, a very light episode next week as well. And then at the start of the year, I'm looking at doing a different type of format. Format. I certainly want to talk about different religions and things like that. But this podcast is a lot of work. And with a, you know, 35, 40 minute episode, there is a lot that goes into that. So I'm looking at maybe changing up the way I do that. Uh, the episodes will be shorter, which probably most of you are, are going to be happy about. And uh, and just a little more like one single topic. And we'll I'll discuss that and then done for the week. And so that Tuesday morning deadline just gets heavier and heavier each week. <laughs> so so I think having shorter episodes uh, will will definitely help me out. Now, today's outline, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the difference between a formal translation and a dynamic, or another another word for a dynamic translation is functional translation. So formal versus dynamic translations of the Bible. Then I'm going to talk about a few heretical translations, and then which should you choose? I'll just throw out some ideas. You know, I'm not going to tell you at the end of this, like, you definitely need to use this Bible. These are just some basic concepts that that may help you out if you're looking at getting a new Bible and which translation should you buy, that sort of thing. If you've been following this podcast, you know that I quote from the ESV. And so why why did I choose that one for myself? Now, you can connect with me in a few ways, bearchristianity at gmail.com. Feel free to send me any questions. You can also message me on Instagram at therealbearmartin. And so let's jump right in. A formal translation has the goal of translating each word in the same form as that word in the original language. And so they'll they'll try to use, and also they'll try to use the same word order or or maybe just the same phrase order from the original language. So they're trying to stick to the original language as close as possible, basically. That that's a formal translation. So if there are ten Greek words in that in that verse, then they will try to use ten English words that correspond to that. Now sometimes the just because it's two different languages, that doesn't work out. But that's the goal of the translators. They're trying to stick to that original language as much as possible. 
Now, that sounds great, and it, and it has its positives, but some negatives would be that sometimes it can come across, translators use this word wooden. They'll say it's a wooden translation or choppy, unnatural English. So that's one of the downsides of a, a formal translation. Also, formal translations can sometimes use unfamiliar words or phrases. So a great example of this is the phrase, gird up your loins. So in 1 Peter 1.13, in the King James Version, which is a formal translation, it says this, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, unless you had further instruction from a pastor or teacher or someone who, who knew what this phrase meant, you wouldn't really know what that, what that phrase means. What is, what is Peter trying to teach us there? And so um, in this case, the King James Version does a great job of translating literally word for word what it said in the Greek, but it does not really help the English reader understand the meaning. So the phrase gird up your loins means get ready or prepare for action. So this was like a military phrase where they would sort of fasten their garments so that they could run faster and, and move easier in battle. And so that's that's where they get that. So in the first century, the reader would have easily understood what Peter was saying, but 2,000 years later, it, it can be difficult. So some examples of formal translations would be the King James Version, the NASB, which is the New American Standard Bible. That's another um, one that is real close on that end to the formal translation. Now, the on the other end of the spectrum is the dynamic translations or functional translations. A dynamic translation has the goal of translating phrase for phrase or thought for thought. It's not worried as much about the grammatical forms of the original language. It doesn't try to match up, you know, like 10 Greek words and to 10 English words. It's rather, it's, it's concerned with the meaning of the text. And so a silly example of, uh, to distinguish between the, the two goals of these translations would be, in English, if I said, you're such a chicken, well, we know as native English speakers that when you call someone a chicken, you're not actually calling them a literal chicken. You're, you're saying that they're afraid. And so a formal translation would, in whatever language you're trying to translate, they would just find the word for chicken and insert it, okay? But in, in a person in that language from that culture may not get it. They may not get what we're saying in English. So a formal translation, although it would have the original word translated correctly into that language, the meaning is lost. And so a dynamic translation would, would translate it as you're, you're afraid or you're scared, that sort of thing. Or maybe they would even uh, find out what a similar phrase in the, in the new language, in the, the culture that they're trying to translate, and they would use that phrase. And so there's lots of different ways to get around it. So a, a dynamic translation is trying to get at the meaning and not really worrying as much about the grammar of the original language. So some negatives of a dynamic translation is you are relying more on the translator's interpretation. And so the, the fact is that every translation, formal or dynamic, there is some, some amount of interpretation that goes into that. But a translation that's more on the dynamic end re relies on more interpretation because, again, they're going for the meaning of the text. A, a very extreme example of this is the Message Bible. Now, the Message Bible is not a translation. It doesn't claim to be. It is a paraphrase. Uh, but this is basically one man's opinion of what the meaning of those verses is, is saying. And so that would kind of be on the very extreme end. So the more you stray away from a formal translation, the more you're... A, relying on interpretation by the translators.
So a good example of a dynamic translation would be the New Living Translation, NLT. So the NASB is a formal translation. The NLT is a good example on kind of the, the further end of a dynamic translation. And the NIV, New International Version, is sort of in the middle. And so I'm going to read you the same verse in those three translations. So Philippians 2, 5 and 6 says this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, that's the NASB. Here's the NIV. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And then lastly, the NLT. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So hopefully you could hear the differences there. And and the beauty of having multiple translations in the English language is you can read several different translations and get a better, uh, more well-rounded a view of what the original language was probably trying to say, because if it's a if it's a passage where every single translation s- seems to say the same thing, then you can be pretty confident that translators are really sure w- how to translate that. It's it's kind of a no brainer. But if you get different translations which translate a verse in in different ways, then you know, okay, this this may be kind of a tricky a word in the Greek language or the Hebrew language. And so you can, you know, if you're really studying deep, you can you can study that further. And so it, it's a really good idea to actually read multiple translations. So how do you know what category a certain translation is in? Let's say you're at a bookstore and you're looking at all the different Bibles and you need a new Bible. How do you know where where it is on this scale? The easiest thing to do is read the preface at the front of the Bible. They tell you the basics of their translation philosophy, and they also explain how they translate certain words. For example, some people criticize the ESV for being too gender insensitive. Uh, So sometimes the Greek word used to speak of men and women or brothers and sisters is just translated as brothers in the ESV. Now, if if you read the preface, though, you know that they notate this with footnotes, that this could mean brothers and sisters. And so they cover this in the preface. So as the reader of the ESV, it's not like I'm reading it going, oh, this this must exclude all women. No, it's just that that uh, the way they've translated that word. And so if you read the preface, you know how they're translating certain words, and it helps you better understand or, or accurately interpret the text. Another major difference in some translations is how they translate the word Lord, especially in the Old Testament Different translations will spell Lord various ways or put it in different fonts to denote different Hebrew words. So Yahweh is often spelled Lord in all capitals, or sometimes it's like a regular capital letter and then like little capital letters, whereas Adonai is spelled Lord with a lowercase O, R, and D. Now, again, the preface for each translation will cover stuff like this. And so anytime you get a new Bible, read the preface before you start reading, and that will help you. Now, I do want to talk about heretical translations for just a second. The most popular one is the New World Translation. It's published by the Jehovah's Witnesses, and it claims to be a formal equivalent translation. Uh, But they have certainly inserted their own views into the translation. One of the differences between Jehovah's Witnesses and Christianity is the belief that Jesus is not eternal. 
They believe Jesus is the first and greatest of God's creations. In sort of a, a strange way, they believe Jesus is Michael the archangel. And so um, we, I may talk about that in, in later episodes. But um, So they believe God created Jesus, and then Jesus created everything else. And so listen for a key difference here between the NASB and the NWT, the New World Translation. This is Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God. This is talking about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, in the New World Translation, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Because by means of him, all other things were created in the heavens and on the earth, the things visible and the things invisible, whether they are thrones or lordships or governments or authorities, all other things have been created through him and for him. Also, he is before all other things, and by means of him, all other things were made to exist. Now, hopefully you notice that the New World Translation inserts the word other in several places. And the Jehovah's Witnesses have simply put this word in their translation to better align with their own beliefs. But that word other has never been found in any Greek manuscript. And you may wonder how I know this, and it's because I have a critical edition of the Greek New Testament. I mentioned this in last episode. But basically, a critical edition shows you all the different uh, textual variants for a certain verse and what manuscripts those variants are found in. And this word other is never found in, in any manuscript. So they just, they just inserted it in just to align with their beliefs. Now, which translation should you choose? Well, it depends. It depends on your goals. It depends on your reading level, both from, a, from an academic standpoint. What is your reading level? Are you buying this Bible for your, you know, your middle schooler or are you buying it for yourself? Um, also, it depends on like your, your current biblical reading level or your biblical knowledge. Do you speak... Christianese. <laughs> that's, that's sort of a made-up word that, um, that Christians joke about sometimes because um, there's, if you grow up in Christian culture, there are some words, biblical words, that you know what they mean, uh, but, if, but someone that's an adult who's new to Christianity may not understand that, and so we, we call that Christianese. But um, like a word like propitiation, do you know what propitiation means? In 1 John 4.10, in the ESV, it says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, in 1 John 4.10, in the NLT, the New Living Translation, this more of a dynamic translation, it says, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So are you looking to really study down deep word for word? Then you probably want to head towards a formal translation. If you're looking just for like, like you're going to try to read the Bible in a year, then, you know, you may want to go more for a dynamic translation. It's going to be a little bit more natural English. It's going to be a little smoother. And and a lot of the uh, the basic meaning of the text will be a lot easier to interpret. So just consider those things as you're uh, as you're thinking about which translation may be best for you. And again, it's nice to have several translations. There are Bibles called parallel Bibles where you can get a formal translation on one side of the page and a functional translation on the other side of the page and, and compare them back and forth. So there's lots of different options out there. I have a computer program called Logos Bible Software. It's 
super it, it it's awesome for nerdy Bible study. And so a lot of pastors and seminary students and stuff like that use this program, but you can pull up lots of different translations right there side by side and, and compare them. So it's uh, it's really neat. There are a few online tools that allow you to do this too. Bible Gateway and Blue Letter Bible, I think both have the capabilities of uh, pulling up different translations side by side as well. So why the ESV for me? If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that all my quotes are from the ESV unless I specify otherwise, and an ESV Bible is what I take to church and that sort of thing. Um, There's lots of different reasons. One, I wanted a Bible closer to the formal translation. Um, I grew up in it, like I said, a Christian home, Christian school. Uh, I've been to church my whole life, and so I, I can read the Bible at a little bit higher uh, reading level, I guess. I speak Christianese, that sort of thing. And so that that was what I was looking for. And so the NASB is a good option. The King James Version is a good option. And that's actually what I memorized. A lot of my verses as a kid was from the King James Version of the Bible. And by the way, the King James Version is a great translation. I have zero uh, problems with it. Um, again, it's it's a beautiful translation, and that's the one I grew up with. But there are definitely uh, lots of words in there that just don't really apply to our culture anymore, and it, it can be a little bit wordy and choppy at times. And so um, I have nothing against the King James Version, though. It's a great translation. If you like that one, go for it. Now, when you—and I, I mentioned this in the last episode, too, but when you uh, when you start attributing like some sort of special spiritual power to the King James Version of the Bible and look down at people who— read any translation besides the King James, then that's when it becomes a problem. The King James Bible does use fewer and later manuscripts than the than we have with the modern translations. However, the truth of the gospel is there in the King James Bible. It's a great translation. Um, tons of people have come to know God through the King James Version of the Bible, so no problems there at all. But for me, it's kind of wordy, and so I like the ESV. Now, one other reason I use an ESV is because the Crossway, the publisher, has lots of uh, really good products as far as the types of covers you can get on your Bible and the different formats and things like that. I, I just they they have lots of different options, and so I have a few different ESV Bibles for for different purposes. One of them is like a journaling Bible uh, that I can make notes in and and pass that on to my kids one day and things like that. So I just wanted some some standard like one standard translation to make a lot of notes in, but between like three different Bibles for different purposes. So I just like that I had those options. And also a lot of the ESV uh, Crossway products are just uh, very attractive. Without sounding like idolatrous, they just, they make um, their their cover design and the way that they feel and the the pages and the font and all that stuff just looks really nice and and makes me want to open it and read it. And so, you know, I would encourage you to, when you're looking at a Bible, obviously you want to pick the translation that's that's going to be best for you, but then get a Bible that that you like. Um, there's there's a lot to that. Spend another, you know, 15, 20 bucks and get like a cover that feels good in your hands. I just, I like having a Bible that um, sort of uh, calls me to open it and read it. I just enjoy that. So I know that that may sound weird to you. But if you're a, a Bible person like me, you just kind of get it that you just like the feel of like a nice product in your hand. And um, anyway, so I would encourage you to do that. And that's one of the main reasons I chose ESV, because they did have a lot of those options. So a little bit different episode today, 
But uh, hopefully that was helpful, and I hope you have a great Christmas with your family. For a closing verse, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119, and it's all about the Word of God. Sometimes the Word of God is referred to as the law. And here's a verse in the NET translation, which I really like as well. Uh, Just in honor of this episode, I I didn't want to read from the ESV. So uh, here we go from the NET translation, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes so I can truly see the marvelous things in your law. (laughs) 